0: Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun filled life. And today I have a very unique guest. She is a personal friend of mine and an inspiring woman who has been through a tremendous change. So let me just introduce to you Michelle Emerson. She is an entrepreneur. An LGBTI human rights activist, keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, documentary filmmaker, and openly transgendered. So she's living up in Muskoka, Ontario, and this is an area that is not not necessarily a great place for transgender people there's they don't even they're like some of them don't even know what this is so for her to stand there and stand in her authenticity she is such a role model for people and i had to bring her on because you know i love to bring people in who are authentic and who are living from their place of power so welcome michelle
1: Thank you, Dana. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, fabulous. So, I would love if you would just be willing to share a little bit about your story of transitioning because, you know, I'm I'm fascinated and I think people need to understand a little bit about what does it take to transition? You know, what does that look like? And how has that brought some power? So, I've kind of thrown a bunch of questions at you, but share your story.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, well, my story goes back to when I was young, right? So as a child, I had uh, conflict and I had what we now call gender dysphoria. I just didn't have the language, mm-hmm. uh, the vocabulary for it, no frame of reference. So, you know, as a kid growing up, I always felt that conflict, that inner conflict, that sense of, of that I was different, that I was somehow I was not who I really was. Right, growing up back in the in the mid '60s, when I was starting to feel the way I did, you know, in a little uh, not so little town just north of London, England, fairly conservative. I any sense, any hint of femininity on my part was quickly arrested. And so I, you know, when I went through puberty for the first time—been through it twice, by the way—that's coming. <laughs> um, when I went through it for the first time, it was just hell, just total hell. <sighs> and yet, at the same time, I had no understanding of what was going on with me, right? And there was no Google, the, there was no internet, there was no uh, reference, there were no, there was no literature that was readily accessible to me that that would help me guide me. And I didn't have a family that I could have shared this with. It just wasn't that kind of family unit. And so I carried the burden. And instead, what I did was I internalized it. And I think this is quite a common thread. So I internalized it. I I applied huge amounts of self-judgment and some denial. And actually, what I did with it was that I sexualized it. And, you know, what I now know, and I wish I did then, is that gender dysphoria has absolutely nothing to do with sex, yeah. uh, in orientation or in any other respect. And, uh, but at the time, that was the best I could do. And so I, you know, very much considered myself a pervert, disgusting, dirty. I had this terrible, dirty secret. And, uh, you know, I, I just didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, what I did was internalize that. I applied all of society's self-judgments. I did that, right? Nobody else did that for me. What did I do? I, I chose to show up in the way that I was expected to show up. And to do that was to actually live a lie fundamentally. Because the way I was presenting my gender, my gender expression, was not consistent with my inner sense of self, with my gender identity. And, um, but that was how I I realized that that's how I was going to get on in society, how I needed to show up what I needed to do. Now, everybody's journey is different. So, you know, trans people, the the concept of transgender is is a very broad spectrum of gender identity and expression. So, you know, this is very much my story. It's somewhat representative of others, but it's not, uh, you know, a single narrative. So I did what was expected. I showed up and I got married and I, um, I took on two stepchildren, which I love and adored, uh, and had six uh, grandchildren, which I totally miss, but love and adored those too.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: all the time, all the time, there was only a fraction of me that was showing up in the world. There was only a, a tiny part of who I really was, uh, being presented to the world. And the burden of holding back who I really was and my sense of self was so huge that ultimately, at, at age fifty, I mean, it was late. It took me a long while to get through this. I decided that I couldn't hide it any longer. Yeah, I needed to uh, to to step into my power, to step into my true, authentic self. Now, obviously, a lot of what I've shared here uh, is with the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> yes. Right. So, yep. you know, uh, it, my experience, it was nothing like as, as clear. I didn't have the clarity that I have today.
0: It sounds so easy when you talk about it today, but it's because you've come through it.
1: Exactly. I've come through it. And the journey of coming through it was, was painful, too, because I actually spent three years looking for a cure. Mm. Uh, in order to save my marriage, um, in order to save my family, in order to save my house, my career, all of those kinds of things, I actually put a lot of effort into trying to identify, you know, what this was really about and was I curable? Could I? In, there isn't a cure. We know that. Uh, yeah. We know that today, and it just takes time to come to that realization. And and the more you have to lose, the harder it is, right? So. Yeah. You know if you've got nothing left to lose, then it's a relatively uh, straightforward path, but uh, otherwise no it's it's a struggle, it's a real struggle. But what was interesting was that once I made that decision and I made it in in the um, early in two thousand and eleven uh, was when I gave up looking for the cure and realized the path that I needed to take, once I did that it, it every step I took. I was waiting for the stop sign. I was waiting for the sign that said, Michelle, no, this is not right. This is wrong. You got it wrong. Go back. Try again. And it just never happened. Every step I took, and there were many incremental steps, let me tell you, it took a while. But every step I took, there was just green light after green light after green light and uh, an acceptance and, and so on. And you know so it took a year uh pretty much to uh, to go through uh, the process and but it was a an exhilarating year full of roller coaster emotions of, of losing and giving up on an almost twenty five year marriage um, i haven 't seen my uh, children or grandchildren since then and um, but by the same token. Uh, you know i've stepped into my true self into my you know mm-hmm. power and that's liberating beyond belief it's 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 an experience i find it very hard to articulate it's it, it's i spent all of my life with gender dysphoria always front of mind it was there it, it, in every moment of everything that i did there was this sense of dysphoria but also a sense of fear that somebody might see you know, I might leak a little bit too much um, of who I really was. And there was always a fear about that. So it, it was in my waking, every waking moment, uh, you know, I experienced that. But since that transition, it's all gone, right? And so it's like relieving 200 pounds off of your backpack. It's just, wow. oh, it is, it is. It's, it's hard to really find the words to describe that feeling. That comes uh, when you step into your true power and you stop pretending to be something else, or you stop hiding a part of you out of fear of judgment. And it's 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 enormous. It's huge.
0: Wow, I've I've heard your story before, and yet, like it's still it so moves me um, because. I mean, a lot of us have this thing, we have parts of ourselves that we hide, but, you know, the, the transgender piece is like, it's to me is like the pinnacle of you have such a huge piece that is hidden. And, you know, to make that transition, you had to be willing to lose everything. And, you, you know, you did end up losing, you know, those. But in order to have you and I love the fact that you, you know, at this point you are really embracing that. And, you know, you are noticing how liberating it is and how how much it's just, you know, the big weight off of, of your shoulders in order for you to be you. Like it's just, you know, stepping into our power is is liberating, it's empowering, it feels lighter, it's easier to live in the world when we really
1: embrace who we are. Absolutely. It is. And there's a beautiful quotation, which I'm probably not going to get right, um, that says, uh, almost like a parable, is, what does it take to become, how do I become a butterfly? And the answer to that is that you first have to give up being a caterpillar.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and that, I mean, I've, I've done it no justice, and you will have to Google the real. <laughs> um, but the real essence of that is that I spent all of that time being a caterpillar, right? I was hiding in my cocoon yeah. my true beauty, my true uniqueness, my true self. And I was presenting to the outside world some alternative reality that allowed me to get on, but not to excel and not to really enjoy life. And then to emerge, the butterfly, right? To really spread your wings, to be able to fly, to reveal your true inner uniqueness and your true inner beauty. That's better than any drug I know out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Like nail in the head, huge. Uh, You know, that, that, that piece of when you are showing up authentically, things flow. Right. Things come together and and it's a piece that I just can't stress enough to people. If I'm you know, if I'm working with clients, that's the whole thing is to so let's let's find out what's that authentic self, what's underneath all this baggage and whatnot that you've been carrying. I mean, for you, you knew what was underneath it and it was you know, it's being willing to get out there and fly. And I'm sure, you know, it's not a, it's, it's definitely not an overnight process. This is, because you started your transition in 2011, I believe it was.
1: Uh, so really it started, uh, yeah. So I, I first spoke to somebody, uh, first human being uh, with whom I spoke about how I felt uh, early in 2008. Wow. And then, over the the next three years, um, I burned through i think five therapists uh, in search of one who had experience in gender dysphoria mm. and that was hard. I was traveling all over the the southern province of Ontario trying to find this person, and ultimately found the the by far the highest qualified best and, and, and just most unbelievable therapist right in my own backyard in that <laughs> area. It was incredible. And only then by accident. So um, we then, I think I must've put in over a hundred hours uh, of therapy dealing with issues, not only the gender dysphoria, because there was a lot of other stuff going on uh, in my life too, but but a lot of that was around uh, around working through the gender dysphoria issue and Finally, coming to that point of realization that there was no alternative for me but to step into myself and uh, to stop hiding to 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 come out as who I was uh, and that happened in two thousand and eleven in the January or so of, of two thousand and eleven, and I spent that entire year in the process of social transition. And ultimately, at the end of the year, uh, beginning of December, came out at work and went through that transition there too, uh, which was a, a challenge and took a lot of planning and and a great and supportive organisation um, that facilitated that. But it's a process. It was very much a process, but it was a process and it was a project, if you will, that had a beginning and it had an end. And to all intents and purposes that's over and it's in a past. And and so one of the things I identify as is a woman with a transgender experience. Right. So, you know, that transition was a, a life experience for me, but it doesn't define me. Right? Mm. It doesn't. And um and you know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just a woman who gave up dressing up like a guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that because, you know, that's one of the things that is often difficult for people. Like I know, even for my husband, he's, he's had a hard time, you know, he sees someone who's transgender and for him, he, he's like, he can see the masculine in a transgendered woman and it, it does a disconnect in his brain. And so that analogy of that you were dressing up as a guy and who you've always been inside as a woman. I think that's an important message for people to to help them to understand and to see who people really are.
1: Right. Yes. And it was largely due to societal pressure and environmental factors that I even did that in the first place. And we see that because, um, you know, if we look Today at our youth, our youth are coming out earlier and earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a supportive environment around them, both uh, within their family unit, as well as within their school system, their peer support uh, is there, right? You know, I was ridiculed as a child and um, bullied and harassed. And, you know, we're seeing somewhat less of that. I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying it's done and nor am I saying that it's easy for anyone everyone's experience is unique you can't judge one against the other Um, but it is different and it has changed Uh, and there is a much more supportive uh, environment for youth to come out and what we do know is that the younger we transition particularly if we can catch it uh, pre-puberty yeah then the much easier it is generally going forward right um, because puberty is a, is a brutal uh, time, and, you know. Unless you are cisgendered heterosexual, uh, which is the vast majority of us, of course. But unless you're that, if you're anything other than that, then puberty typically is a traumatic experience, um, because the the changes that take place during puberty are so alien to how you truly feel inside. Uh-huh. You know? and and just exacerbates the gender dysphoria that you're experiencing
0: yeah I, I could only imagine that it would feel like your body's betraying you
1: yes totally
0: <laughs> and so you know here you are having to live in your body and your body's doing these things and you're like seriously body like this is not you know i i could imagine that would set up a lot of things so i, I you know it's it's awesome that there is that support coming along now where people can transition before puberty. Like you say, it's, you know, the space that there's more and more people that are creating systems, supports, you know, that medicals uh, are being much more educated. And of course you are doing a lot of work to, you know, to educate and to
1: support all of those, the human rights aspect of this. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing there? Sure. I never planned on becoming an activist. It was in fact quite the reverse. Really, you know, when I transitioned all I wanted to do was to blend in, to be just a part of society generally, just to be me. Mm-hmm. And be it right my my approach right from the get-go was never one of going in and demanding my rights or demanding respect or demanding anything actually. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was just a case of I just showed up. I showed up in our community. I showed up in business networking. I showed up at work. Uh, I showed up at the grocery store, right? I just kept showing up. And, and over time, those people around me that were maybe a little hesitant at first, uh, maybe a little like your husband who's just, you know, not quite doing it. And, and that's total. Mm-hmm. it it kind of gives people time then to adjust, right? Time to to come around. Yeah. But by the same token, there are a lot of places in the world um, and and still here in Canada to some extent in certain places for sure, where that journey is still very traumatic. There's uh, prejudice and discrimination, maybe even hatred and violence, which prevents people from stepping into themselves. And one of the key things that we know is that with any minority of any kind for any reason uh, acceptance can only come from visibility. Yeah. You know, unless the minority is visible in some way, then society is unaware of it and therefore, you know, almost in denial. And we see this in countries where, where, you know, governments will deny the existence of LGBTI people because they're largely invisible due to oppression and prejudice and discrimination, right? So it's a vicious circle. So part of what I try and do now is I just do what I can to increase the positive visibility of minorities. And we can use, as I do, film and uh, multimedia to amplify the voices of those that are courageous uh, and able to step up, step in front of a camera, be prepared to be interviewed by by me on on one of our shoots or whatever. And through that positive media, we're then able to amplify the visibility and ultimately reach acceptance much sooner. So that's really my mission.
0: I love it. And and of course, you've done a documentary, right?
1: Yeah, so I've shot two documentaries. Again, I never planned to be a documentary. <laughs> Maker that was not on the agenda, Um, but I had the pleasure and honor of being asked to shoot a fly on the wall when four Ukrainian activists uh, came into Toronto for the uh, Toronto, uh, the World Pride Human Rights Conference, and that was a major shift in my life that changed my life beyond measure. It's that's a whole story all of itself, so I'll just use the abbreviated version. Out of that came the first documentary film, which was Pride of Ukraine. And that explored the, um, the very new and uh, real struggle uh, of holding a march of equality in Ukraine. And then from there, uh, I had the opportunity to spend some time in Slovenia, in uh, Central Europe, and shot a film, Transgender Life in Slovenia. And it was a film that explored the lived experience of 10 uh, trans and non binary, gender non binary individuals right across the country, small as it is, but diverse mm-hmm. country. And again, the, the objective of that was to amplify that visibility, that voice, and, uh, and help the local organization, the Transaxia in Slovenia, to, to be able to increase awareness and thus uh, seek acceptance delighted that that film won best film at the Lublana International Film Festival in yeah. uh, which was just incredible.
0: Yeah, congratulations. Thank
1: you. Yeah, so that was that was a huge honor and now I want to do the same thing in Canada. You know, what we know in Canada, the vast country that it is, With the huge diversity that we have, is that the lived experience of trans people across the country is very, very different based on geography and based on culture. So, uh, if you're living out in the extremes of Newfoundland, PEI, Nova Scotia, out on the east coast, again, perhaps the community has not had the experience of a trans person uh, within their their number, and so you know that lived experience is something in the. Downtown Toronto, entirely different lived experience. Somewhere way up north, completely different. So I would like to profile those lived experiences again with the objective of raising that visibility and awareness within all of these communities right across the country.
0: Uh, Beautiful mission. And, you know, it's in everything, you know, when we can look behind the scenes and say, okay, what – what is it like for somebody else, we gain so much more understanding and we can have some compassion for these people, see them as human beings and, you know, take down all of those stigmas and things that we, we thought we knew about them. And then I just want to circle back because probably not a lot of people have heard the term non-binary.
1: So can you just clarify that? I can, yes, so this this um, talks to a concept uh, of gender and gender identity, and traditionally, broadly we think of gender in two simple terms: masculine and feminine, right? But in reality, a person's gender experience can fit anywhere in between of those two extremes. And um, I use a tool, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic tool called the Gender Bread Person. Uh, you can just Google that and get the chart. It's, it's a great fun game to play and I use it in <laughs> workshops all the time. And what the Gender Bread Person does is it starts to break down this concept of one or the other, right? So you're not simply masculine or feminine. Maybe you're a bit of both. And in fact, the reality is from gender studies that most of us are actually a blend of both in reality and although it 's even then hard to define well what is masculine and what is feminine right so that 's another whole ball game, um, but um, so when we think of gender non binary when we think of people that are are within that spectrum, these are individuals for whom the gender binary just doesn't fit with their sense of self and existence. So they neither identify as feminine or masculine. They either identify as both or as neither and in varying proportions. So there's this fluid sense of gender and we're seeing that increasingly coming to the fore now. And when we talk about transgender, um, transgender is an experience of dealing with where you fit on the gender spectrum. A few years ago, it would have been strictly related to transitioning that is changing from one to another. It's no longer that transgender is an overall umbrella term that describes the whole gender lived experience of people right across the spectrum.
0: I I love this idea that, you know, there's, there's less, um, putting people in boxes. And there's more character, you know, more, more spots that people can say, okay, I, you know, I don't fit into this box or this box. And so now we have a new definition that's no definition. And kind of taking those limits off. And, and it speaks a lot, actually, to, to the work that I do is to get people to stop putting themselves in to find neat little boxes and say, you know, maybe you're a little more fluid in, in not just in gender, but in life, in what you want to do, in how you want to eat and, you know, being able to experience the full expression of who you are. So this idea of more gender identifications coming along, I think that's really empowering and inspiring
1: for the new people, like the young people now. Yes, it is. But it also offers a challenge for us, right? Because, you know, we as human beings like to categorize people. It's right. Uh, We do it so that we can market to them, right? Uh, We market this type of clothing or that type of clothing and so on and so forth. So we as a a species really like to categorize everything. Uh, And, you know, by exploring these new identities of gender, uh, is providing a challenge for those people, processes, and services that need to <laughs> somehow categorize people. Because trust me, you know, we, we've seen, uh, you know, some revelation recently, uh, such as trans woman, trans man, uh, gender non-binary, gender fluid, and so on and so forth. I could go on forever here. Yeah. Uh, And each day we almost break that each one of those down into another subset of categories. And, and it's, it's enormous, you know, and it's been one of the challenges in the trans community generally, uh, because society on the whole tends to get the idea of lesbian or gay, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sexual orientation, that, that concept of uh, who do I want to go to bed with is fairly straightforward, right? So, um, regardless of your prejudices and, and what have you, but the concept of a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman is fairly easy for everyone to to wrap their head around right When we get into the concept of gender well that 's a whole different ball game, and um, for the majority of people for whom they 've never had to think about their sense of identity it 's just being comfortable that there 's no dysphoria that is their um, their sense of self is completely congruent with their physical attributes and and their uh, and then hence their gender expression. Um, you know, the vast majority of people have never had to think about well, what am I? Am I am I cis? Right? And cis being non-trans. That is same as so okay. cisgender as opposed to a transgender. Um, so cisgender meaning that you know you're you're completely comfortable. Uh, your sense of identity and your physicality are are in harmony. And most people don't have to think about it, right? They just don't. They, they, it's just how they are and that's totally fine. It only becomes a challenge when you have that dysphoria, when there's a disconnect between who you are uh, and how you're built and, and how you express. You know,
0: there's so much that we could get into here. Yeah. And you know i know you and i could talk for hours and and we have so you know but i i just i want to kind of wrap up a little bit for for time's sake and if there are tips or advice things that you could give to people who are feeling you know that disconnect between who they are and how they show up whether that's in gender or just in general what would you give them from your experience
1: I think there's a, there's a phrase that I coined a, a few years ago, which I think really sums that up. And that is, when we come to accept our own uniqueness, then perhaps we can come to accept and respect the uniqueness of others. So many of us hide aspects of ourselves for fear of judgment by others. And what I've learned on my journey, both personally, but also experientially from um, uh, from other people, is that once you're able to shed those prejudices, once you're able to shed those restrictions, those constraints, those binds that are holding you back and you step into your true authentic self, you you share your true uniqueness with the world around you then your energy shifts radically. Mm. I'll give you an example. Um, You know, through most of my life, the early part of my life, I really did not have very many friends. Um, I really struggled to have anybody close to me for fear of them seeing what I was hiding. Right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I had few friends. The friends that I did have were relatively superficial um, because I was keeping people at arm's length, I really wasn't. Um, and yet, at the same time, I was battling because I wanted to be accepted by the world, and yet I wasn't presenting any kind of truth. And trust me, that vibration is detected, if not perceptively, by those around you, right?
0: Mm. And
1: since I stepped into my true, authentic, and unique self. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed radically. Um, the people around me, the support that I have, the, the dear, deep, close friends that I now have that I've never experienced before. And that's all come about because I'm no longer hiding anything. I'm no longer holding anything back. This is me. This is all of me. And, you know, if you don't like it, that's totally cool too. We can't, we've, I don't know how many trillion people we've got on the planet mm-hmm. right now. We can't all love absolutely everyone, right? We can't all get along. There yeah. are differences. But if you come to accept that, if you, if, you, if you accept that without any kind of judgment, then the quality of the relationships you have with those that do accept you, oh my gosh, it's just exponentially better than oh it yeah experienced before. So,
0: so. true. Uh, you know what? I'd, it's, it's beautiful. You've summed it up. Absolutely beautifully. And I really hope that people take this to heart because this is an important piece. Show up authentically exactly as you. Be brave. So thank you so much for coming on board with me here with this podcast. And I want to um, give a shout out. So where can people find you if they want to know more about what you're doing? Maybe hire you for some amazing web work. Of course, you did my website. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yes i'm i'm relatively easy to find i pretty much own google under michelle emson um, so that's a good place to go uh, directly uh, michelle emson.ca uh, or um, commercially with what we're doing with sanctuary studios uh, at sanctuary-studios.ca Yep. wonderful two key places you can find us
0: Awesome. Thank you again, Michelle. And this has been another exciting episode of Inner Dominatrix. Look forward to having you join us again. Thanks for tuning in to the Inner Dominatrix, the show that lets you step into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to tell your friends about it. And if you're ready to own your Inner Dominatrix, then hop over to my website, innerdominatrix.com and let's have a conversation to get you rocking your bold, sexy, fun-filled life.